Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer or artist and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field, along with past and current winners and a few surprise guests. Today's guest is Writers of the Future judge, Dean Wesley Smith, and this year's Writers of the Future writer winner, Preston Dennett. They're going to talk about a topic near and dear to a lot of you on never giving up, and it's otherwise known as the Topanga Canyon story. So welcome, Dean and Preston. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, let me start the story by basically saying back in the um, early 90s, very early 90s um, and late 80s, um, I was an editor, um, and I edited a magazine called Pulp House Fiction Magazine. My wife, Christine Catherine Rush, was editing the, mis- the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. And we were going to a lot of conventions and, of course, talking to the other editors, which included um, um, Gardner Dozois, um, Ellen Datlow at Omni, um, Stan Schmidt at Analog, and you know other science fiction right, right. editors like that. And we were talking. And editors sit around in bars and talk. <laughs> and one of the things that is a common conversation, which probably would scare the heck out of most young writers if they knew it, is that we talk about the young writers that we're following that we're watching close and, uh, you know, in some way that are close to selling to one of us. And so it sort of becomes this fun kind of thing among editors to say, oh, I'm going to buy his first story or no, I probably will or I will. And chances are we all thought it was going to be me buying your first story back then because um, what occurred was that usually if Gardner and then Chris rejected at FNSF, Pulp House was like third or fourth on the list. And so I, I – and I tended to take stories that they couldn't take that had a little more of an edge and all that. So we were talking about this one young writer who was really hitting us hard um, and all the time. And we called the, because you had a very, very unusual um, address in Topanga Canyon. And so we started referring to the wrong, have you bought Topanga Canyon yet? No, I haven't. Oh, that last story is, you know. And so we were actually talking about your story, <laughs> stories a lot because he was doing it right. He was sending us a lot of stories continuously and he was keeping them in the mail. So if Asimov rejected it, Chris would see it at FNSF or whatever you know the, the order was, I would eventually see it and I would turn to Chris and say, have you seen this story yet? And she'd say, oh yeah, I liked it. I couldn't buy it because of, you know, and that sort of stuff. So editors do that behind the scenes and usually the young writers that are going to break in really strong don't know that they're close. They don't have any idea how close they were. And Topanga Canyon was very, very close. It was just a matter of who was going to buy them first. Wow. So Preston. <clears throat> oh, God, hearing this. No, I didn't know. I really did <laughs> nope. not know I was that close. I was pumping them out. Mm-hmm. I'd written, gosh, 47 stories initially, mm-hmm. starting in uh, 1986 is when I still really started writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, right when the Writers of the Future came out, I started submitting there, certainly, and to all the magazines. And you uh, did it right by keeping them in the mail. That's yeah. how we saw you. Second I got a rejection, <clears throat> I had another one ready. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, I was writing another one. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I do remember your rejections. They were very kind. You often gave me some great encouragement. Keep going. You're close. Mm -hmm. Got a personal from Christine Mm -hmm. and uh, Stanley Schmidt, too. One magazine pro, I won't say who it was, told me, you're not improving. Stop sending us stories. (laughs) I'm like, oh, God. No, you you were improving. You were improving. That was pretty. I mean, that hit me a little hard. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I didn't know I was close. Yeah, I did not realize that personal rejections were actually a, something really valuable. Yeah, we should probably mention that. Um, if an editor takes time to actually write a writer a note, a personal note and for, versus a form rejection, that editor thinks that they're going to buy a writer's story soon. That's what that means. Oh, Very nice. close, especially if they say, this was close, it didn't quite work for me, please send me your next one, I'm looking forward to it. If an editor says something like that, they truly mean it. And, you know, and that's... Well, there's no obligation to, there, to say something. There, no, you, you can just form reject it out. If the story doesn't work or you don't get very far in it, you just put a form on it. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's what that means. It, didn't, it wasn't there. But if an editor read all the way through it, they, and it was close, they feel obligated to write <laughs> a letter, <laughs> wow, uh, wow. even if it's only a short note. And, in fact, I think I was typing my rejections on a typewriter. So was Chris at FNSF. At that point. Yeah, I was yeah. using a typewriter too. Yeah. You know, this is before computers, so yeah. it's a little more difficult. And uh, you had to wait quite a while to get a response, of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, getting a personal response was great, but I didn't realize how great <laughs> it <Yeah>. was. <laughs> um, I really didn't. I didn't think editors knew me, really. I thought, gosh, you know, each story is a new story. They don't remember. They get thousands of stories. How could they possibly know? You want to know how we um, know? Is because you were sending them in regularly. And so what occurs is the name starts floating up. And, and if the stories are close, editors pay attention. And then it's suddenly like, oh, yeah, that story, I, I just read one from him just not long ago. And so that's why you don't want to wait a long time between sending stories to editors. You want to just keep a story on editor's desk all wow, the time. And then they, they remember the writer because we care about writers who are trying. We don't want to just buy one story from a writer and then have them go away. That's, that's a nightmare because it costs us money to put them in a magazine. Mm -hmm. What we want is a writer who's going to sell us a story, then sell us another one, then eventually sell a story where readers are starting to read their story a lot and liking them, and then we can move their name to the cover, and they become a cover name. And when you're a cover name, you sell books. Right. And that's, that's, that's the goal. So we, don't, we, we like writers who are being very, very, very consistent. That's why we remember them like we remembered yeah. you. Well, I wanted to do it. This is what I wanted to be. I'd read every author I could get my hands on, but I was unpublished. I didn't have a single story out there. And as far as the writers of the future, reject, 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 reject. I mean, I can go on. I yeah. was rejected 12 times without a single honorable mention. So I'm like starting to get a little discouraged here. And I, I was putting out an enormous amount of energy, a lot of time, and it wasn't happening. Uh -huh. So I'm stuck. Yeah. I mean, at some point, I'm like, I'm not sure if this is for me because, gosh, I've been writing for three, four years now Ooh. and didn't get published. Yeah. And um, I started, I wrote an article that was nonfiction and it got the front cover of the newspaper and then a magazine. Mm -hmm. So I started to get diverted a little bit. I thought, you know what? This might not be for me. <laughs> it's an awful lot of work. And I gave up. I did. I just, I didn't want to. I was in love with science fiction. Uh -huh. I had a love affair. And it was like, you know, an end of a love affair. Yeah. It was devastating. I had two, 300 books. I sold them all. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to cut, make a clean cut, you know, because this is a painful I, relationship. I can, I can understand that. And yeah. I, I did save the Writers of the Future books, by the way. Yeah. I boxed them up and I cried because I, I thought I was going to win that contest. Mm -hmm. I really kind of knew I could, and I really thought I would. Yeah. 
And so it was devastating to have to, you know, end this relationship. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't going to waste my time. I mean, you can only run a marathon for so long before you yeah. start to get I, tired. I did that. That's, that's why I told that story earlier. It's from 74 to 82. Not one sale, not nothing. Yeah. It was, I just, just, you know, it was, uh, that's why I was just about to give up too when I find when I found Heinlein's rules. I thought it was good. You know, I thought some of my stories were pretty good. Mm -hmm. And I was getting encouraging, but they just weren't good enough. So I'm like, all right, you know, maybe I don't got it. No. Yeah. It was that next, you had to just get over the top on that. Something would have clicked and you would have gone over. And once, once a story gets bought, that's why we were all paying attention. Because once a story gets bought by a professional level magazine like Pulp House or, or Asimov's or FNSF, then all the other editors take their standards and lower them. I, I'm not kidding you. We, we literally will go, a story that we would have rejected or not quite close if it was a first sale, we'll buy it for a second or third sale. And I know that's another one of those nasty secrets yeah. <laughs> behind the scenes in the editing world. But uh, you know, once we know a story, a writer breaks through, they're going to be around. Then we will, we will give oh, it more. I wish I knew some of this, boy. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I and, wouldn't. Have and there's stopped. no, and there's no way for writers to know that, except for a podcast <laughs> like this. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no way for writers to really understand that that merry-go-round, that wheel of of difficulty yeah i did attend one convention i wasn't a huge convention attender mm -hmm. um but i did attend one and I just kind of pulled back so i really wanted to put my attention on writing itself <laughs> yeah uh, that was the correct thing to do but you actually have to balance the business side and the learning side too and that's i got a rejection from uh, asimov's um, i've never been published in asimov's my wife is the number one writer at Asimov. She is the number one. Right. Um, but I've never been published there. And so I was about to send off a story about a year and a half ago, and I thought, I'm going to give them another try, give Sheila. Because all the editors were my friends, you know. And so yeah, I was always rejected by my friends and because uh, I never would quite write the story that would fit. And um, I said, well, I'm going to figure out what I've done. And I counted all of the rejections that I got from Asimov's magazine. I am at this moment in time at 250 different stories wow, <laughs> rejected <wow>. from Asimov. <laughs> All four of the editors since the first day Asimov started, magazine started, I was rejected 250 times, 250 different stories at Asimov's. And yet, you know, I'm a New York Times bestseller and I've been around and, you know, 23 million copies of my books in print and everything else. And I can't sell a story to Asimov. Now I can't sell a story to Asimov because I don't send them any. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of like the 250. It's a nice round number. Mm -hmm. So that's part of publishing is just well, Back the in the 80s and the 90s, there weren't a whole lot. I mean, today there's, gosh, 100 markets, oh, 200, so 300. Many, yeah, there's so many markets now. There was now. five or five. 10 yeah. pro magazines. Yeah, you could keep it through the through the mid-group, and then you'd have to retire the story. And when you retired a story back then, there wasn't indie publishing like there is now. So when you retired a story, it went into a file. I still have that file, by the way. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> So how did it then transform? So now let's move forward, Four, what, 15 years, 10 years? 17 17 years. years. Okay, wow. and that's roll forward wow. 17 years. Yeah, I was at work, actually. I do work full-time. Um, I did very well with nonfiction, but still wanted to be a science fiction writer. And uh, realized I was getting old, and I, and I thought, you know, gosh, one of these days I'm gonna have to look back into that. Was but was scared, terrified, really. Mm -hmm. And my boss walks in with E. E. Doc Smith's Lensman series. He had oh. just read it. This was old classic pioneering sure. stuff. And he's like, read this. You should read this. Do you like science fiction? I'm like, well, I used to. 
And he's like, read this. And he's my boss. So I'm like, okay, got to please the boss. Uh-huh. And uh, I read it. And it all came rushing back, that old love. Because this was a good series. It's a little sure. dated now. Yeah. But there's, it's got this rollicking you know, space opera adventure stuff that I really liked. I'm, right. I really like the classic sci-fi adventure stuff. That's sort of my wheelhouse, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, it just came tumbling back. I'm, I fell in love. I actually bought all the books I had sold. <laughs> bought all the Writers of Future books. And I that, started, oh, the ones that you'd missed since then? Right. Yeah. Pulled the ones out of the closet. Read all those, of course. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, the Writers of the Future is still going on. This, and of course, the science fiction market now is huge. There's all these paying markets. There's right. computers. You don't have to send your stories out on snails. Yep. And uh, so it was a lot easier in a lot of ways. I thought, I'm going to give it a try. Why not? But I'm not submitting to any magazines. No way. I'm just going to start with the Writers of the Future because it's the place to go. It's first the top market. Yeah. yeah it's the and top market. they give you honorable mentions. So I thought, well, if I earn an honorable mention, maybe I'll submit to a magazine. Uh, I got an honorable mention after, well, actually, I got rejected first. You know, well, mm-hmm. Actually, it wasn't the first time I entered the contest, but first in 17 years. Got another rejection, another straight rejection, another straight rejection. Then I think it was my 17th, 16th entry. I got my first honorable mention. Hit the ceiling. I couldn't believe it. This was the best news as far as I was concerned. And uh, still didn't have, it wasn't quite enough. Because <laughs> I had, you know, that real confidence problem that apparently I've been talking to these other winners. We are, like, are we really good writers? No, we're not, we're not. <laughs> and it's a real confidence problem among writers. And I had it it's bad. uniform. And I thought, it's I among every level. It never <laughs> goes away. <laughs> so I kept submitting to only the writers of the future. And finally got, you know, another honorable mention and another. Actually, pretty quickly, I started to learn my craft, certainly, and uh, thought, okay, I'll start submitting to the magazines. I couldn't believe it. I started getting personal rejections immediately. Immediately, yep. I'm like, wow, this is fantastic. Then I got a sale. I'm like, oh, wow, this can't be. It was a good sale, Andromeda Spaceways. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is, you know, not a pro level. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't It's making- a pretty good sale. That's a good sale. Yeah, got the cover, by the way. Yeah, oh, he did, yeah. And they like... I immediately sent another story to them, mm-hmm. immediately. It fell right up into their, you know, the top of their pile. They go through this weird tier process. Mm-hmm. And they liked it so much, they put it in the same issue as the other magazine. So I got two stories in Andromeda Space Boys, same issue. Wow. wow. Which, I don't know if anyone has done that. No. Uh, so I'm like, all right, I'm back in. Yeah. <laughs> and I was submitting like furious, furiously to everybody. And uh, doing pretty well, you know, not, not with the pro level, but I did have a lot of semi-pro sales and a few token. Some people don't submit to token. I kind of wanted to crack every market. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, that's Especially just... after the first experience. I, I would feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, because, you know, putting all this energy out and getting even a token sale gives you the inspiration and the encouragement right. you need to keep going. Sure. And so that's what I did. But it was I still had my eye on the right of the future because I knew I could win it. I did. Yeah. I knew I could win this. And I just sit there, look at those books and just, you know, get a little teary eyed. I'm like, one day, one day I'm going to uh, win this contest. And you guys started inviting me to, to see the gala. <laughs> and that was even more encouragement that I needed. Mm-hmm. What, what really worked for me in terms of uh, learning how to write and encouragement was the Writers of the Future Forum. So I would go on that daily. And the forum is, you know, a community of people who are entering the contest and sharing advice and 
you know, talking about, you know, what David Farland is looking for as the, <laughs> as the uh, you know, first reader of the contest. And so that's where I kind of lived. And that's where I really sort of learned how to become a writer and learned how to get the encouragement I needed to keep going. So each honorable mention that came in was like, yay, yay. And I racked them up. Let me yeah. tell you, I got 12 of them, but couldn't get wow. past it. Could not get past the honorable mention. So you've been doing this for, for four or five years since you came back. Yeah, it was 2009 wow. about when I came back. Wow. And I entered every single quarter. I didn't miss a quarter. You know, and often it was, you know, last three days. I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, I've got nothing. Let's pound it out. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And it was usually, yeah, the second to last day I would enter. Because I didn't want to be the last day kind of guy. And I would enter in the second to the last day every quarter. Every single quarter. And boom, 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 boom. And I just couldn't get past the honorable mention barrier. I was starting to get really discouraged again. And that is when I came upon this thread about not giving up. You know, one of these, there's different threads in each of these. Uh, in the forum. In the forum. Yeah. That talk about, you know, don't give up or, you know, hard sci-fi where you write. And one of them yeah. was about not giving up. And, oh, I came upon this. One guy's like, you know, don't give up, never give up. And another guy responded, don't worry, I would never. I would never give up because I've heard the Topanga Canyon story. And I got a cold chill, <laughs> a real cold chill. And I'm like, okay. And I, and I replied, I'm like, can you tell me a little bit about this Topanga Canyon story? I don't know anything about it. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, this is a workshop, actually, that uh, was taught by Dean Wesley Smith. I'm like, Dean Wesley Smith, I know him. First, you know, one last yeah. dance, first yeah. issue. He's a judge. I'm like, oh, God. What's, you know, tell me more. And yeah, it's a workshop that about not giving up. There's this guy named, we'll call him Topanga Canyon, in quotes, who basically editors were talking about him, like you said, mm-hmm. and uh, even book editors. Mm-hmm. And uh, people were looking for him at conventions and mm-hmm. wondering, you know, this. Yeah, we kept looking for you. Who was going to publish his first story and, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, one day he just disappeared off the face of the planet. Stop sending. No one knew if he had even died or what What went wrong with him. And I'm like, oh, God, that's me. And I was, I don't know, I don't think there's an emotion for this, but <laughs> I was devastated and so excited. I was thrilled to know that, gosh, I was there. I was good. Mm-hmm. You were there. They did know me. They knew me. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. But no, but I gave up. I'm like, oh my God, this is the worst news ever. <laughs> because I was there. I could have had my dream 20, you know, 15, 17 years ago mm-hmm. come true. And right. so it was good, bad news. Mostly good, I'll say, but there was this undercurrent of devastation mm-hmm. that just tore my heart out. But it gave me the inspiration, certainly. Yeah. The first thing I did actually was contact you, Dean. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is this me? I mean, this, you, you might not remember. I wasn't oh, sure yeah. if you would. Actually. Oh, I did. <laughs> I'm like, but you know, I'm, I'm this guy from Topanga Canyon mm-hmm. <laughs> who was uh, submitting furiously. And I, I was just, just wondering if this workshop, could it be about me? You know, no, no worries if it's not, you know. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, it is. You know, is that okay? I'm like, are you kidding? I'm a cautionary tale. How <laughs> awesome is that? Yeah. So how do you use a cautionary tale in your, in your workshop? How are you using that? It was, it was exactly for that. Don't give up. Um, because you don't know behind the scenes what's going on, especially when, when you're submitting out to markets and stuff. Um, you just don't know. I, the reason I wasn't a judge 10 years, 
nine years earlier, you guys asked me to be a judge, and on the second year, I was doing Strange New Worlds for Pocketbooks. Um, Strange New Worlds was a contest patterned after Writers of the Future for Star Trek. And I was the, I did Dave Farland, I was the editor. Right. And, uh, and so what occurred in that, and I saw the back behind the scenes on that too, is that people were sending me all these Star Trek stories every year. And I only had one volume and I only had 17 stories I could, or 23 stories I could pick every year. And I was getting thousands of submissions and I'd wait and put them all together and then do them over a couple week period of time. Well, that allowed me to really start seeing the names, not only the ones that I was buying, you know, and the rules were you couldn't have more than three published stories. So it was a contest for Star Trek, published by Pocket, that was exactly patterned after Writers of the Future. And, uh, and I was the editor on that for 10 years. Well, after five or six years, I had a group of people that were really close. And it was because of your the experience with you, I started telling them how close they were. I literally started writing letters to people saying, next year, you know, do this, you're really close, you need to get your regular writing out to regular markets, not just Star Trek, because they couldn't do anything. If I rejected them, their story was dead. They had no other markets. And, um, and so, I, so I was actually, because of your story and what happened with you, I decided we were never gonna, I was never going to keep that behind the scenes again. And I helped a lot of writers, you know, um, actually not stop. Um, and, and that, and a lot of writers came out of those 10 years of writers of the future, but I couldn't become a judge on writers of the future yeah. because I was strange new worlds. So right. I was the, I was doing the exact same contest. I couldn't, so I yeah. couldn't be in both. And so the minute we shut that down at pocketbooks after 10 year run, you know, then you, I was able to you guys, you I was, and, you know, yeah. Chris and I be able, was able to j jump on here is, Which is great. and what little bit we do here, but you know, yeah. you know so it's, it, and support this. So we're always supporting new writers, but I decided no more, no more of, we talk about it, but we don't tell the writer. You know, and we all wanted to meet you. So if you'd have been going to conventions, one of us would have spotted you. You know, I should have done. Yeah, yeah. I regret that. It's yeah. another regret about all of this. Yeah, we we would have. One of us would have been sitting on a panel and looked out and seen your name and gone, "Oh, got to talk to you." You know, and literally, we would have said that. We would have pointed to you in the audience and said, "Talk to me after the panel." And, and you know, you're that. This happens with all of the major writers that came in, like Lucius Shepard. He was the most famous unknown writer. All that, the yeah. editors knew him, just like we all knew your name, um, before he ever got published. And then um, Damon or Terry 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 uh, Carr bought a, bought uh, Lucius's first story, and then Terry died, and the whole thing, project went away. And then um, somebody else bought a story, and that folded. And Damon Might Knight bought Lucius's first story, which was with my first published story, about two months before Writers of the Future. And it was called The Clarion Awards, edited by Damon Knight. And Lucius, Nina, and I all had our first pro stories in wow. together. But Lucius was so well-known. He was just unbelievable out there in those days. And uh, just what happened with you, you know, about five years later after Lucius, you were the the big name out there that everybody was watching. And it, it was so close. And I'm sorry to me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But it just one of those things where it feels you, good though at the yeah, same time. Yeah. So. You have you have the skills and you have the stories and and you have the drive. And that's what editors look for is that drive, that persistence, that push. So that's awesome. So after 47 entries and how many years since you since you started some um, it was nine years at about no from the from the get go when you first started entering in 1980 86 six, what or 80 yeah 86 86 yeah, so yeah. it's been uh 33 years 35 years 33 years yeah. 33 years 
Wow. So um, that is absolutely the ultimate in don't give up. Yeah. That's an amazing story. So any, like, as we wrap this up, then any particular thing you'd like to say to other people? Well, yeah, I mean, don't give up for one thing. <laughs> and because, uh, you know, getting that call from Joni that I'd won, I'm like, wow, I have got to call Dean now. Yep. <laughs> I am going to call him. Actually, I called, I wrote you the next day. You wrote me the next day, yeah. I'm like, guess what? Yep. This is going to knock your socks flat off. And I'm sure it did. Oh, yeah, it was so um, cool. I was so uh, excited. To have an, that kind of happy ending to a story. Yeah. Uh, and I would tell anyone who's out there submitting, always have another story ready. Mm -hmm. And do realize that if you get a personal rejection, it's huge. Huge. As in, is an honorable mention. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely a great sign. Mm -hmm. that yeah, you're and right in the future, there, we get a lot of entries. And that's a capital L on lot. And uh, so when a person gets honorable mention... It used to be when we at the get go, you know, we would. I think at first year we had like three hundred and some odd entries. Yeah, I don't we're think long he, since. I don't think AJ did honorable mentions back in those no, days. Did there was he? No, there was no need to. No need you know? to. Yeah. But now <clears throat> we're up to maybe one hundred and fifty <laughs> honorable mentions in, in a quarter. But that's the amount that it's grown in the amount now that an editor, when they see someone that puts the fact that they're an honorable mention on their resume, mm -hmm. on their pitch letter. It will pull them out of the slush pile because it is, right. it's known how much comes to Rise of the Future. And when someone makes that cut and is called that, they know that, okay, they've, they've already worked themselves up right. to, yeah. to that level. of Yeah, we talked about that on the forum. Do you put an honorable mention in somewhere? Like, no, it just means you got rejected. I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I put no. them in, started selling them. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, no. And, and on that's, some of the... That was the only... Yes. Uh, Thing I had, you know, I had nothing but an honorable mention to say. <laughs> Some of the workshops that we teach, the writers will come back on and say, "Oh, I got an honorable mention this time," and I like that. And I'll always say congratulations. Yeah. I always say congratulations. That's 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 close. That's like a real nice personal letter from an editor. That's yeah. what that I is. I mentioned my win now when I enter. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Charlie at FNSF. He's like, "Congratulations, man! That's cool." Oh yeah. So, there, there I'm in with FNSF now. He mm -hmm. knows me. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and editors follow right into the future. 100%. Absolutely. Yep. So that's well done to you, obviously, on a, a dream come true. And any last comments from you, Dean? Just don't stop. It really, I, I'm a prime example of, of not stopping, you know, after all these decades and decades now, <laughs> you know, and I had a, that long period too. You know, I had an eight year period where I just couldn't sell anything and early on and nothing would sell. And so whether you're doing traditional markets or whether you're indie publishing or whatever you're doing, the key is just keep learning the craft, keep working to be a better writer with every story and don't stop. Keep them out there, get them yeah. out to readers, out to editors. And one last point I didn't say was that Dean was the very first person to have ever walked on the stage and be recognized by Writers of the Future 35 years 35 ago. 35 years ago. Yeah. It's amazing. Can't believe it. There's that. a story arc for you. Definitely there's a story arc. Yeah. And I have a, now I have a story in this new volume because I got to write the story around the cover, around Bob Eggleton's wonderful cover. It's a great story cover. and it's an so awesome cover. I have a story in the same book as Dean. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for our next show. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by Elrond Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. 
It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy.